Hey, everybody. I am Stephanie Goss, and this is another episode of the Uncharted Podcast. This week on the podcast, Andy and I are continuing a conversation that got started with a colleague about how do we have the most highly compensated team in our area and how do we do it simultaneously while still providing services that the working class families who come to us as clients can afford. This one was so fun. There is definitely some soapboxing from Andy and I about a couple of topics, but I think we both really enjoyed getting into this uh, in the meat and potatoes of it and talking with all of you about what we can do to leverage our teams and get the most out of uh, the team as a whole so that the techs in particular and the patient care team can help produce revenue for the practice and uh, raise the pay ceiling for everybody. Let's get into this, shall we? And now, the Uncharted Podcast. And we are back. It's me, Dr. Andy Rourke and Stephanie. Uh, I have I have, I have not remotely thought about what her nickname is, Goss. Talk about me being unprepared. Yeah, I, I, was, I was so relishing. Just going, are you ready yet? I'm going to hit record. Are you ready yet? And watching you flail around. <laughs> I, I completely forgot what I what my role was when I hit record. No, that was that was karma. Yes, that was 100%. 100% karma. It's absolutely on brand for right now, too. The We're recording this the first week of the year. And the first week of the year is the Monday of the year. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? It's a it's a week, maybe more, of just consecutive Mondays. Because yes. everyone's like, oh, crap. We, we Let's be honest. We took most of last month off. Yes. Like, like, all those things you were like, that sounds like a 2023 problem. They're now all it's waiting 2023. right here. And, like, it, it's been... Oh man, it's, been it's absolutely so bonkers. it's so funny because uh you you called me and we were talking on on uh, not Monday May, oh, yeah on Mon- Monday Tuesday I don't know the beginning of the week and I like you called me and I like had a had to take a breath because I was right in the middle of something and you're like are are you okay and I'm like it's a it's a Monday <laughs> like, yeah. it, is, it is a like my desk is covered in crap. There's a to-do list 10 miles long. (laughs) I need time to just organize before I can even like set my thought train on the tracks. (laughs) Well, I was like, I was like, I'm going to use the last week of the year to clean out my office and get it all ready. And I did all, I did the whole job where you get all the crap out, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And sort it into piles. And 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 then I ran and out of steam, and now my office is unusable. I'm starting the year with the worst <laughs> office than before because oh it's piled with all the crap. You it's like I... it's neatly sorted, but it did not get put away after I got it all out, and like I emptied all the drawers <laughs> out, and now they're just sitting on top of the desk. I'm doing that. You and I are uh, so alike. Sometimes it's it's funny, not funny, uh, because I have uh, like I uh, you a, a lot of the time I have my camera with a blurred background on our meetings because my office is my master uh, bedroom closet. closet, and so I'm in a tiny corner of the main bedroom closet, and there's clothes all around me, <laughs> and um and so normally I have my background blurred, but this week I have had it blurred for the same reason as you because I did. 
the same thing. I'm like, oh, I'm going to clean and I'm going to organize the things. And I pulled everything out. And now there's just pile, it, like you, it's organized piles of crap, but there is literally piles of crap stacked up uh, like waist high behind me because it's a yeah. tiny little closet. There's oh, nowhere and for if you it ever to hear go. me talking about, if you ever hear me talking about Stephanie Goss coming out of the closet, <laughs> because we're done podcasting. Like, that's it. That's all it means. Um, so oh ridiculous. man, yeah, it's the beginning uh, of the year. <laughs> I, I have, a, I have a coping mechanism though. It's not healthy, oh, but yeah? it's, it's working for me. <laughs> yeah, Allison got me an espresso machine for my birthday. Remember that? <laughs> yeah. I'm sucking those things Just down. Making more like, espresso. Like, yeah. It's like it's water. And like, that's how I have made it through the first week of the year. It's going to be bad. Like, I'm going to have a problem. I realized, like, they made, they make, the espresso people were like, oh, this is for people who sip coffee. And I'm like, I do not I sip. Don't. I don't sip. I don't sip. I do not sip. Um, so what yeah. I hear you telling me is that I'm going to be waiting outside the men's room more frequently at VMX uh, than normal because you normally <laughs> already I, have to I'm pee just, after coffee because yeah, <laughs> totally. you drink so much. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to need, I don't know what, it, I don't know what the espresso to like run of the mill coffee <laughs> translation is. I could be, I could be at liters now. Oh, I have no gosh. idea how much I'm, <laughs> what my caffeine intake is. I drank too much yesterday. I felt, te- I thought my heart was going to explode. I felt awful. I had to ratchet it back. <laughs> I was like, I, just in the middle of the day, I was like, I feel uh-huh. horrible. Uh-huh. Horrible. Yeah. And I was like, I can't do this again tomorrow. <laughs> so I only drank two double espressos. We have two double espressos. <laughs> and now I have a headache. We have <laughs> half calf Andy for the podcast today. Yeah. Uh, oh man okay well uh this one is a good one you and i uh were having a conversation with some of our friends recently and we were talking about uh team compensation and this the where the conversation started going was in a really good direction i'm excited to talk about this with you so um we had uh somebody who was saying you know i want to pay my team really well. In fact, like a goal for myself is to be able to say that I have the most highly compensated team in our metro area, right? Like I want them to have good pay, good benefits, feel good about where they're working. That is a goal for for me as an employer. And at the same time, as a business owner, I want to make sure that I'm not pricing out the working families who are our client base from affording our services. And so the conversation was really about how do, how do you get the most, uh, the, the, the most out of the team? How do you leverage the team so that they are producing revenue that is helping raise the ceiling, um, particularly when it comes to team wages. And I just thought, this will be a lot, lot of fun to talk about on the podcast. Yeah, no, I definitely, I definitely agree. So I super love this. I, 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 I love this mentality. You know, this is, you know, I've been thinking a lot about business in America in the last year, which sounds crazy, but it's true. Uh, I, I've been thinking a lot about business in America, and I, I consider myself to be a capitalist, right? Like, I, I, I like, I like the idea of people who work hard get rewarded, and you take risks. And as a, uh-huh. as a business owner, you know, it makes sense to me, and, and I do like it. But I don't like 
all the ways that capitalism has manifested, like, and has come to manifest in our country with this idea that like capitalism means maximizing shareholder value. And when you have publicly traded companies, what that means is the job of the CEO is to make the most money for the people who own stock possible. Mm -hmm. And I go, I don't think it has to be that way. And that's not what I aspire to. Yeah. I think there's something really beautiful and wonderful about saying I own a business and the goal is for me to get my needs met and to create a workplace that I'm happy to be in and that I think other people are going to really love working in and to pay the people who work with me really well so that they have a good life and they, and they mm -hmm. have income and they have a nice, positive uh, environment to be in and right. they feel like they're working with friends like I think that is the uh, to me that's the goal that's the aspiration it's not sort of the maximize 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 dollars to the stakeholders like that uh, anyway that that's just that's just kind of a, a bigger philosophy for me but when I see this question it really I just love it so much because it really speaks to sort of some what some of my values are of like I want people to say, wow, that guy pays more than and pays better than anybody else. Like, I love that. I want that reputation. That's that's great. And 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 I think I just I think it's great for us to aspire to. And so then you start to look at the nuts and bolts and you say, well, you know, how do we actually do that? And so yeah. that's that's what I'm looking at today. And I sort of start to think about this when when we get into headspace, when we get into headspace uh, and we start talking about things like this. And the question is, really, how do I how do I use my technicians so that we can uh, so that we can produce the revenue that will raise their income? Right. Um, the, uh, there's a couple caveats we have to put on the table up front. Okay. And and some big things to just think about before we start talking about about possibilities here is number one, I believe that the future of vet medicine is fragmentation. Right. And what that means is there's not a right way to practice medicine going forward. Like, I think that when you look ahead at that medicine in 10 years, you are going to see a wild hodgepodge of different types and styles of that medicine that is just mind blowing to anyone who's traveled here from the past 30 years ago. When there was a basic kind of, this is generally how we do vet medicine. I think those days are over and there's just going to be a wild variety of ways that people are delivering services to pet owners. So when we start talking about these, no, um, I'm not saying that everyone should do them and everyone, every practice is going to be different. And I think ultimately that's, that's not a flaw. That's a feature. Mm -hmm. There will be people who just say, we do, you know, we, we practice white glove, gold, gold standard of care all the time. And there'll be people who say, we do high volume, affordability focused medicine. Mm -hmm. And there'll be people who say, I'm a mobile vet and I have one technician and that they work full time with me. And there'll be someone else who says, I'm a virtual vet. And this is how I interact with technicians who are spread across the country. Right. And none of those are wrong. They're all just really different. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with that 100%. And I think we're, we're, starting to see that already right like this yeah. oh, and that's yeah. one of the things that i think uh you know you and i dog a lot uh especially lately on our our personal views on um social media but one of the things that i love about social media is i really enjoy seeing um the differences in our practices and yeah. seeing those different styles. And I tell you, like, there will be times where I am scrolling through 
some hashtags on Instagram and I see what some practices are doing and I see what their look is and how radically different it is Mm -hmm. compared to the practices that I have practiced it in. And the first thought in my head is that's freaking cool. It's not, oh my gosh, like I want to compete with that. It's that's really cool. Like I love what they're doing. I don't necessarily want to do that, but I think it's freaking awesome. And I think that there's a place for it with, not only our clients, because we're not, you know, one size fits all like it's right. it, there have always been room for us to create our own cultures that are fit for client. But also, let's think about it from the team perspective, like way to create different environments that suit different people in different ways. Like, right. I just think that's a, a it can only be a win, I feel like, for veterinary medicine. Oh, sure. I, I just I just want to put that forward because I know it's really easy. I've walked into lectures before and people say, well, this is what you do in your practice and blah, blah, blah. And yeah. I go, that's not, that's not what I'm doing. And right. that, like, I don't, that's that what you can do in your practice. Exactly. Yeah. And so I just think it's good to upfront to say, we're going to talk about what's possible here and know that it is not my belief that this is what everyone should do or where everyone is going. And so it's, it's just, I don't know, it's, it's, this is going to be kind of one of those like buffet podcasts where it's sort of like you need to walk along you look at everything and maybe you'll pick up some things and maybe you won't pick up other things and that's okay yeah it's not a this is what andy and stephanie think it should be the right to answer have technicians and this is the right answer <laughs> yeah totally so yeah, yeah. i i just want to lay that stuff out um okay there's there's some sacred cows that we're going to poke uh, in this episode as well. And, and what I mean by that is you know, sacred cows are things that people believe like you can't change that. You can't do that. That's not yeah. how it is. And and I think it's important for people just to know you need to think about what your sacred cows are when it comes to leveraging your staff. And the reason I say this is because a lot of us came up in vet medicine over the years and there was a way that we worked and there was a relationship that technicians had to clients and that assistants had to clients and that there were things the front desk did and ways that they did them and that was just how it was. For example, some people really felt strongly that receptionists needed to be in the building. And that's not true. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. And and like, but to me, that was a sacred cow. It's like, wait a second, the person who checks the pet owner out is not in the building. You can't do that. Y- yeah, you can. We have we have hospitals in Uncharted that do it. They have screens on the wall and uh, credit card readers, and the they have a p- employee working from home with a logo of the hospital behind them, and that person just pops up on the screen in the exam room and checks the client out yep. right there. And they work from home and you go, that's that's bonkers. Like it wasn't that long ago, the idea of an offsite phone center or phone room yeah. was just completely uh, ridiculous. And it was heresy. It was like, no, you can't have people who aren't in the building because they don't know what's going on. And yeah. you say, well, that's not true. And just because it's how we've always done it doesn't mean we always have to do it going forward. And then moving that closer to the, the topic at hand is the way that we use technicians and technicians, the way they work under doctors. And you say, well, just because technicians haven't had autonomy before does not mean that that's not something that can't happen or can't be done very differently than what you've seen done before in your career. Yes. And I think for me, from a headspace perspective, it starts, I'm glad you, I'm glad you, um, 
talked about poking the sacred cow because that was a big, a big sacred cow at the top of my list. And I think from a headspace perspective, I think we have to think about what are our limiting beliefs. And when I first started in veterinary medicine, um, and I feel, I feel really old at this point because it's been a, it's been a lot of years. <laughs> oh, I think about when I started in veterinary medicine and the pervasive uh, thought process was the veterinarians went to school and they have the degrees and they're the ones who generate the money for the practice. And that is still somewhat mm-hmm. of a sacred cow in a lot of practices. And I think yeah. that it is when it comes to this conversation is very much a limiting belief. And so yeah. that's the first cow is who makes the revenue for your practice. And well, I would argue that in a lot of practices, even a practice where the primary revenue driver is a doctor, there are things that if you really sit back and look at it, there is revenue that is being generated by the paraprofessional members of your team. And so for me, it starts with what what limiting beliefs might I personally, might mm-hmm. we collectively as a team, might we, including our clients, have about who actually generates revenue for the practice? Yeah. Well, it's just, it's this basic idea that the technicians are backup dancers. Yes. To the doctor. Yes. And, and that's how it's always been. Right. And the truth is that technicians can have their own show. Yes. And pet owners can be excited about that show. Absolutely. And and it doesn't detract from the veterinarian show. It's just a different show. Yep. And, uh, and you know, like, I don't know about you. I watch more than one television show at a time. And sometimes I'm in the, I need different things. You know, it, anyway, I don't want to stretch the metaphor too far. But that's really the way that I, I think a lot of people have looked at technicians is they're the backup dancers. Mm-hmm. And I, the veterinarian and the main attraction, and I'm what people put, buy tickets to see. Yeah. And I say, oh, I get it. And that is how it used to be. I really is how it used to be. I don't think it's that way anymore. And I don't think it should be that way anymore. And I think our education system, the way we educate our techs, has changed and continues to change in a way that makes that not necessary anymore. And I would say that that model doesn't scale, yeah. especially when there's a shortage of veterinarians, Absolutely. which means if you can have a bunch, a bunch, a bunch, a bunch of backup dancers, but you can't get a, a you know, a veterinarian to, to lead the show, yeah. then, then you're done. You're yeah. toast. Your business can't grow. The number of pets you can see is limited in that model. And so, you know, I, I think, I think starting to work through and, and say, okay, let's do this a little differently. Let's look at our technicians differently. Uh, that's the sacred cow that that you have to you have to kill that cow mm-hmm. in order to to move into new pastures. I this I've lost my way on this <laughs> metaphor to kill the cow to take its pasture. Oh. And yeah, it's anyway. just all it's just all barnyard meth, uh, metaphors all, at this point. All, okay, so so it's a murdering bloody barnyard. <laughs> so we metaphor. we have to. I think the headspace has to start with. Uh, poking some cows, which I love, and also looking sure. at what are the limiting beliefs? Like, what do we right. what do we think is possible or not possible? And then can we can we flip those thoughts upside down? Can we turn them sideways? Like, what is that? What does that look like? And I think that's a big part of the headspace. And I think the the other piece of it um, goes going back to your thought about fragmentation is coming to the conversation, coming to the, even if it's a conversation with yourself in your head at this point, like coming to the table with what is, what 
what could we do? Like with yeah. the idea that, okay, if we just sit here and hallucinate for a second, like what could be possible? How do you think that fragmentation has started to occur? It started to occur because someone had the idea, what if we had a model where we go to people's homes and we perform euthanasia at their home instead of them bringing the pets to the clinic? What yeah. if we had a model where we... Uh, you know, offered clients services that they might want while they waited for their pets at the vet. Like, what if we combined two things together? What if we, you know, what if we had a model that brought funds? Like, there's a bunch of different things that people are doing. And it started with them not putting the ceiling on themselves. And so from that perspective, like, I think the other big piece of Headspace is like, let's just sit for a minute and think about what is possible. Because there's a ton of different things that we can do. Um, and I'm excited to talk about the the action steps here. Like what, what, what can we do? What, um, where can we try and drive the revenue to answer the original question, which is like, you know, how do, how do we do things to, to help raise the ceiling? But um, I think a big part of it is about, let's think about what is possible. Like, yeah. So yeah, I, I, yes, let's think about what's possible. And uh, some people are not going to like all of these things. Sure. But they are out there and they are happening and they're just things, they're things that we should start to tinker around with. And as I said at the very beginning, uh, some people are not going to, it's not going to be for them, uh, all the things. But when I start to look at the way that I see, not like imagine, but the way that I see practices across the U.S. and Canada using technicians, um, it, it, it varies widely in what people are doing. And everybody's kind of in different places. So, you know, the most basic thing is tech appointments. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, mm -hmm. it blows my mind that some practices still don't offer technician appointments where people make an appointment to see the tech and not to see the doctor. Right. Um, again, that's just like the most basic level of like, okay, we're <laughs> like, that's the first step in breaking your text out. But it's, then, wait, 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 but it blows my mind even more that there are more clinics that are doing tech appointments and not actually charging for them. Oh, so they're yeah. offering it. They're offering it as a service for their clients, but they're not charging for the text time the same way that they are for the doctors. That yes. like, I can't, I, it blows my mind that this is still where we're at as an industry. Well, that, that's a sacred cow problem. Right. Like, like somewhere yeah. at some level, not a conscious thought, at a subconscious level, someone's like, we charge for doctor time. Yes. That's what our business is. And I'm like, no, like, I get it. I, and I know that that's been cooked in, but that's like, check your check your biases now um because it's it's not that doesn't make any sense yeah but again I, I a lot of people i think you're exactly right is they do these things and they're like oh we don't we don't charge for that like look you, we see that we see the salaries of technicians going up and they should um do some basic math like what does it cost you're paying this person for an hour of their labor like what do you need to earn from pet owners in order to justify that salary? Yeah. And how do you how do you make it so that person earns that amount or brings in that amount so you can like it's got to work for everybody. Yep. But just the idea of like, oh, we don't charge anything for our techs, but we want to pay them a good salary or we need to pay them a salary to retain them. They go, well, that that doesn't work. Right. But it's just it's just sort of starting to get out of there. I mean, technician productivity tracking, I think, is is so important in the future. I'm amazed by how little of this we see. Yeah. Like the, the PIM systems, uh, if they they really need to make it easier to look and be able to sort and say this doctor did did this. 
with this technician and being able to sort well and look at your productivity by technician. That's how we look at our doctors. Yep. And again, if we want to make our technicians productive and, and, to, and to pay them, and you and I have talked before in episodes about paying technicians on productivity. Yep. And you go, well, it works for doctors. You know, why, why is it uh, taboo? to talk about it for technicians. And so, but the first thing is that is you've got it, you've got to measure it. You've got to see what your technicians are doing for you and come up with ways to do that. Yeah. There's a, I would argue that that's actually not a, that's not a technology problem. The technology is there. It's a sacred cow problem. It goes back to like not charging for the tech time. Like we're, we're choosing not to look at it collectively from a, from mm-hmm. a management perspective. The technology is, is there. I had that structure in my practice. We could tell you which technician, which assistant, who was in what, um, what was in, who was in which exam, um, that we could tell you time, we could tell you their, their production, all of those things. The technology is there and it's been there for a long time. It's a sacred cow that it goes back to your thought about the, the vets are, the lead singer and the rest of the team is the backup dancers. And so we're mm-hmm. consciously choosing not to set ourselves up for that kind of success. And I think that's the limiting belief. That's just, you know, we need to, we need to slay that cow and poke that, poke that, um, yeah. that bear because it's not. It's, slay that cow. <laughs> it's like old McDonald's farm up in here. <laughs> can't, I can't. I'm like, yeah. I need to say I need to say something snake. about poking the cow, but I just said slay the cow, so I'm gonna throw bears slay in the mix. Slay the cow. Like, just, just slay that it's cow. a barnyard. <laughs> All right. Um, this is just gonna be one of those podcasts. <laughs> yeah. No. I. Yeah. Like we, we're gonna get better as the year goes on. Like it's just January. We're just breaking the ice. Like we're just we're getting loose for 2023. You know, there's a, there's a company. Um, called Booster Pet out in uh, Washington, state of Washington, something near you. And I don't know if you've seen this, but I actually did an interview with the founder on the Kona Shane podcast that uh-huh. I do. And uh, when COVID started, there were some changes to the patient-client, uh, your patient-client-veterinarian relationship uh-huh. at, to help with virtual visits and things. And and this person started a practice where uh, she opened up a, a basically sort of satellite practice. It's a wellness practice, mm-hmm. and it's staffed by technicians only. Mm-hmm. And there are big screens in all the exam rooms, and the doctor pops in virtually. And the whole practice is staffed by technicians. There's no doctor on site. The doctor appears in the room virtually, communicates with the technician who's doing the examination and the history, and they can back-channel communicate. You know, they can go back in the uh-huh. treatment room and talk uh-huh. to the doctor privately. But they've got a doctor working virtually that's seeing all the rooms at this at this satellite practice, and there's no doctor there. It's only the techs, and the techs do everything, history, physical exam, vaccines, all the stuff. The doctor appears on the screen. The technician and the pet owner together explain to the doctor what's going on. The doctor can see everything the tech has put into the medical records. Mm -hmm. And that's how they roll. And they turn appointments around. And like they have like online scheduling for the pet owners. And like, anyway, it's it's bonkers. If you want to learn more about that, keep an eye out on the Kona Shane podcast when that episode comes out. But um, again, I'm like, this is this is not tech appointments. 
every appointment is a tech appointment with the doctor coming in virtually to consult, to validate, to take a look at things. They've got video uh, otoscopes where, you know, the mm-hmm. tech can yeah. show, show, show the, the doctor, doctor what's what the in the ear like. and things like that. I love Ego. it. I love it it's so much. Incredible. I mean, I mean that, incredible. That talks that goes specifically to talk about two, two, two pieces, right? That is poking a sacred cow in multiple ways. Like yeah. the techs are in charge. The doctor is now the backup dancer really in the sense that the the techs are leading the show and they're running the thing and it's poking some sacred cows in terms of technology like that is highly that is high that is leveraging technology on a whole other level i like i am i am here for that kind of stuff it is it is but it's not you know really at its essence it's a zoo it's a zoom call right you know what i mean it's like it's not it's not radical. I mean, I'm sure they have a, a they have a fancy medical system that does it, but at its basic level, it's a Zoom call that we use all the time, you know. And then the the otoscope, plenty of us have had video otoscopes. That's right. not new. It's just that the video is getting displayed, you know, thirty miles away. Uh, you know, but that's um, what I mean. It, like that is taking taking that and turning that on its head because that is the example where lots of people would look at that and be like that couldn't possibly work, right? Yeah. Be- because we couldn't, we can't think beyond a doctor has to physically be on the premises for us to yeah. practice medicine. Like that is a core foundational thing for veterinary medicine. And that is poking a sacred cow in a big way. Yeah. Well, I like that you said, you know, technicians is, or the doctor is the backup dancer. And that, that's that's another thing that I see that a lot of practices do as well is, are, are you endorsing your technicians? Yeah. Are you highlighting your technicians? Are you facilitating relationship building between the pet owners and the technicians? Yeah. And again, I'm not saying you have to. I'm not saying that has to be your model, but <laughs> there are a lot of practices that do. Well, I mean, if you're a... a I'm going to say you a, have to. <laughs> no, I, I, but I, I don't agree. I don't agree that you have to. I, I don't. In, in that, if you are a high volume, low cost practice... I, you know, it's about getting people in and getting them out, and and that relationship center yeah, yeah. maybe not sure. not not yeah, as, as necessary there. But I would say the advantages of of this are pretty significant and substantial. So one, it's good for the technicians, like having people request the technician that they want to see. Like that's good for your business. It's good for your practice. Yep. Um, it builds that relationship. And the other thing is your doctor. See, I think I think initial reactions from doctors that I talk to are usually they recoil and go, oh no, I'm the one. It's a little jealousy, right? There's a little bit of jealousy. <laughs> it's your, it goes back to your uh, metaphor about the doctors being like fighter pilots. Like there is, there is jealousy there. It's like, oh, they're, oh, the, yeah. they're the, they're the, you know, head, head honcho. They're the, you know, they're the, they're the big man on campus mm-hmm. and they're definitely. They're the lead singer. Yeah. yeah. They're the lead singer. Yeah. What do you mean? Right. They don't want to see me. They want to see someone else. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, so they, they recoil. Oftentimes, sometimes they stay recoiled right. and they're just like, nope, my ego can't handle this or yes. or this is just not the practice I want to work in. Right. Which, fine. You know, I'm not going to argue. It, it's just it, it. Like I said, well, it's a, it's a, 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 it's, a that's a form of fragmentation, right? Like there's a place right. there's a place that fits. If that's how you feel, there's nothing wrong with that. Sure. That, there is a practice for you that isn't that isn't that model. Well, ima- imagine for a second that again, just to sort of put people's fears at ease when we talk about things like this. But like, imagine for a second that, that became that became the norm, right? You better believe that there'd be practices that would then say, 
at this practice, you only talk to the doctor. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. Like it would just, like yep. it's not, yep. you're not going to get X out. No, it's never going to be like, I don't want to talk to the doctor. Right. Like it's not going to happen. But what, what often brings doctors around is this idea of like, hey, buddy, think about what you do with your day. Think about how much communication you do. How nice would it be if the pet owner knew someone else at the practice that they felt comfortable with and connected to? Like, how, how would that be good for you as you try to get through your day and get things done? I'm going to maybe blow some doctor minds for a second because I want you guys to hallucinate with me for a second. So, Andy, imagine that you'd been seeing a full, your, your Dr. Andy had is on, you've been seeing a full yeah. day of patients. And imagine instead of having to end each exam with, you know, you're still going to ask them what questions do you, you know, do you have that we mm -hmm. haven't answered? Like, is there anything, is there anything else? And to be able to say, we're going to have follow up on these labs. Stephanie's my technician today. Her info is going to be on your invoice. Um, she's going to give you a call or someone yeah. on the team that she's talked to is going to give you a call in a couple of days when the lab work comes back. And this is the plan. And then now instead of the stack of all of those yep. calls that have come in from clients who are like, I have a question for Dr. Work. I was there two days ago and I, you know, I have questions that I need to ask them questions. Instead of dealing with all of that, you have offloaded a lot of work when it comes to client communication off of your plate and you're empowering your team to take the lead, to take an interest in their cases. You are creating a patient and client bond for your team as well. And let me tell you, like, I, it is, it is a, it is a game, it is a game changer mm -hmm. <laughs> for, for everybody. Oh, absolutely. No, I, I that, that's it. Like, that's what we're talking about, right? It's setting expectation. It's just thinking uh, creatively about like, what do, how do I spend my time and what can my technicians do to help me? What are what are services of value? And you say, well, how does the technician doing these callbacks, how does that increase their value? Because they're not seeing patients. And I would say, well, if your doctors aren't doing this, they should be able to pick up more. You know, there's other things they do with their time. Uh -huh. they're, they're either adding more appointments because they're not having to do this maintenance and the communication. That's, let's be honest, it's hard work. Like it's mentally draining work is that client communication, like it takes time and effort and mental energy. And so you can possibly pick up more appointments. But what's more likely is you're probably spending a little bit more time with the clients that you have. You're yep. probably recommending that dental cleaning when in the past you would have said, those teeth are, they're okay for now. And I don't have time. I'm running behind. I'm just going to say this is good enough and go on, which of course, no one ever has thoughts like that when they're busy. No, uh, never. But yeah. Well, you know, and, you, you get it. And also they're generating the revenue that didn't get generated in the exam room. So how many times have you, Andy, had a conversation with an owner and you're like, you know, we really, we really should do a dental and there's all like this, there's five other problems. So like, let's start here. And when you build the relationship for the technician to then be empowered to have the follow up with the owner, when the owner calls in and has the questions and the technician um, or the assistant can spend the time on the phone with them that you didn't have in the exam room and they can answer those questions. And now the recommendations you made that were declined the first time 
they're generating that follow-up revenue because now they have answered Mrs. Smith's questions and now she's going to bring Fluffy back to do X, Y, and Z that was recommended that was uh, that was declined at the first visit. So there, you as the doctor generated the idea of that revenue and your recommendations as you should from the medical perspective. And the, the revenue still walked out the door when Mrs. Smith left that day. And it's being generated when the team has that follow-up and says, well, it looks like in the chart, Dr. Rourke was recommending that we do this and this, this and this. What questions do you have that I can answer for you about those recommendations, right? Yeah. And when they get Mrs. Smith back in the door, that's revenue that is coming back in the door that wouldn't have necessarily come back in the door otherwise. What What do you think about tipping the team? Has, like, talk about sacred cows. Uh-huh. Uh, people <laughs> recoil from that. I, You know, uh, there's not many places that I go now that don't ask for you to tip the staff. Sure. And I, I'm not saying I agree with it. Like, okay, so I, the most benign example is um, there, there's numerous counter service restaurants that I go to. Sure. Where I, where I stand at the counter and I order the food and then they call my number and I come and get the food and they still ask me for a tip. Right. Right. When I swipe my card, they're like, would you like to give us a tip? And I'm kind of like, a tip for what? Like you, you just made the food, <laughs> but then I press one dollar, right? Like every time because right. I don't want to be. Like, I'm like, oh well, you know, I'm trying to help these guys doing the work, like right. you know, like share the wealth and just you know, you know what I mean? It's like you know, fine. Uh, I especially I don't want them to spit in my food, so I give them a tip. But there's that. But there's <laughs> like. But then, you know, like if, if you get a massage, there's a lot, you know, you get your haircut. Like I go and get my haircut and they're like, this is what a haircut costs. And I'm like, that's ridiculous. I'm not that old. I remember when the haircut was 10 bucks. Like, but this is what a haircut costs? Are you freaking kidding? I was and waiting like, for the walk, walking backwards uphill both ways in the snow with no, oh, no shoes on story. I was waiting oh, for yeah. it. Okay, it's haircuts. All right. No. This is where we're at. So, so that, but it's, I know I'm not the only one who's had this experience, but anyway, uh, the, the, you get the haircut and they're like, the default is like a 20% tip, which is like $8. And I'm like an $8 tip on a $35 haircut, which, which, which there's no hard cost. It's just you and some scissors. Like, but it's the norm, you know, it's like, a, and uh, it's clearly been normalized and people clearly give tips. And so anyway, I'm, I'm kicking those things around. Um, I do escape rooms with my wife and they're like, oh, it's not, it's not cheap to go book an escape room. Right. But then when you're done, you better believe they're going to ask you to tip the staff who was involved and gave you the lecture and blah, blah, blah. And I go, man, I'm not arguing whether or not this is how society should be because that doesn't, doesn't make any difference. But I do look around and at some point you say, is tipping for service ubiquitous in our society? Right. And if it is, is it ridiculous to allow, not and maybe you encourage, but right. just facilitate pet owners tipping the technicians and receptionists, sure. um, the support staff for the extra care? Like, how many people who have hospitalized pets and feel like the, the support staff did Go above a, and beyond. A, an amazing job yeah. above and beyond, how many of those people would be like, here's a hundred bucks for the staff? And it, again, I don't, I'm not really endorsing this, but I am honestly, I need to think about it more 
But I, again, sacred cow, you go, how dare you tipping for a medical service? That's heresy. Right. And another part of me goes, I don't, I mean, I don't know. It's, it seems pretty standard. It's pretty easy to do when people are paying with credit cards. They can decline the tip if they want. You know, is this a thing? And, and I honestly asked the question like, what kind of revenue would that be? I, I, I'm sure people have done it. I'm just curious. Like, are we talking about, is that $500 a week for the whole paraprofessional staff? Or is that $500 a day for the whole paraprofessional staff that worked, you know? Yeah. Um, or is it more than that? I have no idea what we're talking about. But yeah. I don't know. I'm, again, I'm not endorsing it. But if a lot of other industries are using tipping to supplement the income of their frontline workforce. Yeah. It's it. It's, it's an interesting argument for sure. That's just. I, I'm not. I'm honestly not pushing for it. I'm asking. I'm yeah, asking it's a good a question. question. It's a question I'm to ask. I haven't seen in that because it is yeah. the because it is a sacred cow for sure. It is one that's worth poking. Yeah, totally. All right, let's take a break and then we'll get back and we'll just uh, get into some action steps real fast. Okay. Hey, it's Stephanie, and I'm jumping in here for one quick second because we have a workshop coming up next week that you are not going to want to miss. Uh, our friend and colleague, Maria Parita, CVPM, is going to be leading a workshop that is open to the public and to our members on February 15th, 2023. It is at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, and it is called Texting It to the Next Level. That's right. Maria is going to be tackling, talking about some of the do's and don'ts when it comes to texting with our clients and really how to take what we all kind of jumped in and started doing full tilt during the pandemic and use it to level up and build a stronger bond with our clients without lengthy phone calls and hopefully save you and your team some headache and some time and some stress and recoup uh, that time back into your day. So if this sounds like something you'd be in on, head on over to unchartedvet.com forward slash events. Check it out. If you're a member, you always get in for free. If you're not a member, you can join. It is $99 for this workshop or check out an Uncharted membership because you get all of the workshops that we do in the course of the year at no additional charge with the cost of your membership. So check it out, unchartedvet.com forward slash events. Now back to the podcast. All right, let's get in. Let's get into action steps. Sound okay. good? Yeah. All right, I've got, I've got three major categories, right? I think there's three levers you can pull if you want to set your technicians up to generate more revenue, okay? okay. So they are, um, you can make them more effective in their current okay. role. You can free up their capacity so that they can get more done. Sure. And you can add new services that they can perform sure. to generate revenue. Okay. okay. Those are... Those are really the only three. I, I have a fourth one that's kind of like we can we can we can change the relationship that our paraprofessionals have with the with the pet owners. But I think that falls under making them more effective now. Yeah. Does that make sense? Uh-huh. It totally does. So I I agree with that. And I'll roll it back one one step further. So zooming all okay. the way out and looking at this, the question of how do how do I get the most out of them so that we're producing revenue and we can raise this really raise, how do I raise the ceiling on staff wages? Um, when we zoom all the way out, we look at it from a business perspective. This is a simple math problem because mm -hmm. there is, we, we can, can control our pricing. 
we can control our volume of patients that we see, and we can control our costs in other areas or some combination of those three things. But from a business perspective, that is how we control the revenue that is being generated from our practice. And so I think it has to start with looking at those three things and figuring out what amount of pressure are we going to apply in which category. And there are there is a school of thought that's like, let's just cut let's just cut our other costs. Right. At some point, we can only be efficient and effective at some point, if we cut everything off of our shelves, we don't have the tools we need to do our job, right? So it can't, when you when you look at each of these, and I think that's why I love the question that got asked in the conversation we had, because this practice owner was like, I'm acknowledging that, yes, I need to be pricing appropriately, because that's one of the three options. And if I solely leverage the increase on pricing alone, at some point, I will price clients out of my services. And this is a core value. We want to serve the people that we are serving. And so I know that that can't be the only lever that I am pushing on. And so how do I take those three things, the pricing, the volume of cases we see, the cutting costs, and then how do I, looking at those three things and deciding where I'm going to apply pressure and in what combination, then how do we roll it down at the next level, which is your level of what do we do with the team and where can they help us apply pressure on those three levers, their efficiency, their effectiveness, um, those things directly influence those three levers above in terms of pricing and volume and cutting costs. Yeah. If you're if you're interested in that type of like cost cutting pricing, things like that, I just did. It was the last episode of Kona Shame podcast of the of 2022. So it was like December 27th or something. It's called uh, The Art of Pricing Veterinary Medicine. And I interviewed Fritz Wood, who oh, is Fritz. a mentor of mine. He's amazing. But you want to hear, you know, a 40 minute conversation on I said, basically, I said, pretend I'm a practice owner who's coming to you and saying, Fritz, I really need to raise my prices. Walk me through that process. What advice would you give me? What would you tell me to do and not do? I love it. And so if you're if you're like, oh, what does that look like? I got I got a whole podcast with you. Uh, it just came out uh, a couple of weeks ago, so you can check out Kona Shame. It's called the Art of Pricing Vet Medicine. It was out at the end of December in 2022, but it's definitely worth listening to. So so I think it starts there because that's a simple math problem. Like you can't you can't not apply maths to this problem. Like you, you have to look statistically at, at how are you going to apply the the pressure on those three yeah. areas and in what order. And that's a decision. That's where you have to do you. And there's not going to be a right answer, you know, and, and Fritz would tell you that there's no, there's not one right answer that right. is going to solve everybody's problems. Totally. It has to be the makeup of your, your practice, the makeup of your expenses. All of those things have to be taken into account. So if you yeah. start at that layer, and then if you go down to the next layer, which is we're asking this question because of the team. We're asking because we want to compensate our people. We care about them. We love having them work with us. And how do we how do we do that? And so, give me your give me your list again. Yeah. So, uh, so getting more efficient at what you're doing. Okay. And so, what I would say then is, this is a way of not raising prices. It's about getting better compliance from pet owners for about making them trust the practice more, feeling more comfortable, understanding the services that we recommend and why we recommend them, things like that. So it is doesn't that e- mean that... Is that effective or owners, efficient? So what? Is that effective or is that efficient? 
Ooh, both. Well, efficient is, uh, yeah, efficient is seeing more pet owners. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I would but say yeah, that's, but, that's effective. And if you're yeah, effective, you're going to drive more right. revenue. Right. So getting better at what we're currently doing okay. is, is, Love is it. it, right? So um, so you're talking about being efficient is moving mm-hmm. through more cases. Uh-huh. But being but being effective, like we talked about with endorsing pet owners yep. uh, or invo- endorsing technicians, the team. things like that. Yep. You can you can build better relationships. We can in, we can empower uh, these uh, our paraprofessionals to make basic wellness recommendations yep. that are, talk about these products and services. We can we can stop and train them to be more effective in the exam room. And this is a simple thing that any team can do. It's just about saying, how do we say this? Mm-hmm. How do we build trust? How do we um, How do we get a good rapport? How do we build rapport in the first 30 seconds when we walk into the exam room? Have you trained your staff on that? I mean, honestly, how important is that? It's vital important. It makes this huge difference over time. Just being able to connect with clients, to know how to recommend wellness care, to know what's going to happen in the practice, to do all those things. And it's amazing to me how many practices actually say, guys, let's get together and let's talk about how we do this and let's get on the same page. We just throw people in there. And so that was, that was one of the reasons. So, uh, so quick, quick, honest to God plug. Um, I made a team training course called uh, Exam Room Communication Toolkit. It's at drandywork.com. It is made for your team to watch together. It's broken up into little five-minute modules. So you can just pick one and say, I'm just going to show this video to the team. Right. And then there's discussion questions. And I'm going to ask the team the discussion questions so that they can talk about what they do and what works well and share ideas and best practices. And I, I tried to make it so easy to just get your team together. It can be just your text. It can be just your front desk. Pick a five-minute module. Pick two of them. Do them talk about them and watch people just raise their game by hearing what their colleagues do and what works for them. It is so simple, but like people just, we don't train on what to say in the exam room. And it just, it baffles my mind. So I really, I was like this, there's gotta be something that can help people. So anyway, exam room communication toolkit, it's at drandywork.com. You can definitely check that out if that's something that you wanna do to pull that lever. And I will tell you as someone who has tracked um, team production, the efficacy of that training your your team what to say and how to say it in the exam room and and looking as a collectively as a team on what client education what standard of care medicine we want to have as a whole and then teaching the team how to deliver that messaging and taking some of the weight of that off of the shoulders of the doctors I will tell you that our practice went from very low uh six figures for revenue that was generated from preventive uh, medicine, like uh, flea tick heartworm, heartworm testing, fecal testing, et cetera. And when we really focused as a, as a team and as a, as a hospital on making sure everybody on the team understood what our standard of care, care was, what, what we were recommending, why we were recommending it, and then trained them how to have those conversations with the, the clients. And we restructured our process to empower them and put that on them. Um, because to your point, the doctors were busy, man. And they were trying to be like, okay, there's like 10 problems here in this visit. Like, let's take the top three medical issues and focus there. Like, who has time to talk about the fact that, yeah, they see their dirty, they probably actually need a dental, right? When we 
focused on that. The revenue that was being generated by the paraprofessional team in that regard went from that like low six figure number well up over the seven figures. And it is it makes a huge difference. And it is all about the mindset and about looking, deciding what you're going to do and how you're going to do it. And then, and then monitoring it to your point. Like if you're, if you're tracking that, it is, it is amazing to watch. And it's really exciting as a practice owner to then be able to look at that and be like, holy cow, you guys hit the mark here. And now I can, now I can give it back. Now I can pay, you know, now I can pay it back. Now I can give everybody raises. Now I can have bonus programs, that kind of stuff. So I think that that's, that's super empowering. Yeah. The, uh, the second one was capacity. And it's just trying to figure out, like, how do I increase the capacity for my technicians to to do good, right? To see to see pets. This is, I mean, in some way, this distills down. Often, this is just: Are you using your technicians at the top of their licensure? Mm-hmm. Are they doing the most advanced, most valuable things that they are licensed in your state to do? Yep. And if the answer is no, they're holding dogs. I'm like, man. Yep. You're not like you're not using them in the capacity that they can be leveraged. Yep. And so just stop for a second and go, are we using our techs the right way? Are we using them at the top of their licensure? Um, it's worth it's pretty much just worth every every practice looking at what your state allows registered technicians to do. And that's that makes it hard for me and Stephanie to talk on the podcast about do exactly this or do exactly that. Right. It's like, there's it is such, so different. There's so different between states. But I'm look at Washington, what I was just talking about and, and the booster path. It's like, there's not a doctor in the building. They're just on the screen. Uh, Washington is, is one state, a state. Uh, your state is probably very different. But are you leveraging your technicians in the way that makes sense given the restrictions that you're working under? And I think from the brainstorming idea, that's a, like knowing your practice act and knowing what you can and can't do. And then also looking at what are what else is included in other states. And so there's some great resource uh, material out there through AVMA. Um, there's a tech skills list that basically the schools that AVMA certifies as being um, tech training programs have to have a certain list of skills that they have to say, yes, we are teaching them and this is how we're teaching them how to how to, to obtain these skills. And so looking at that skill set list and trying to figure out like what, what could maybe what could we do getting some idea like don't try and reinvent the wheel like come come up with some ideas from there and either like you said andy there's going to be things that you can't do in your state Mm -hmm. but it gives you a place to start brainstorming exactly yeah i mean in the capacity as well as like do they have to be in the building? Can they right. work from home? Can we leverage them virtually to to see uh, to interact with pet owners in a meaningful way? Um, in in a way that pet owners will will see value in, uh, whether they're paying for it directly or whether it's taking work off of the vets uh, off of the vets place. E- either one, you know. The, the other part, the last part is, is new services. It's are there things, are there services that your technicians could perform? that are not currently being offered as technician services? And the answer is, you know, we say, how do you keep prices down and make techs more valuable? Introduce new services that are priced fairly and appropriately and that the technicians can uh, can add to the menu of things that you're already doing. And so that's that's tech appointments. You know, things like we said, if you have tech appointments, and you're not charging for them. Uh, that doesn't that doesn't make any sense because they're the techs are getting paid. They're on the clock. Um, that just that doesn't make any sense to me. But I but I do see it as well. 
You know, are there uh, are there technician wellness appointments? Uh, it, do you have boarding in your facility? If you have boarding, are there opportunities for technicians to work with pets and boarding that pet owners would see value in and would opt into and things like that? There's just the sky's the limit. Really, it's really about looking at services that you could offer to pet owners and um, and seeing about what what would pet owners see value in. Yeah, I and I think that's another one where again just thinking about it from the no ceiling perspective. And I'll tell you my my uh, practice, we got ultrasound, which we had not had previously mm-hmm. in the practice. And we got ultrasound with the intention of the team was going to do this thing, not yeah. the doctors. And oh, yeah. the team got trained and certified as uh, ultrasonographers. And then we leveraged technology to have it read by boarded specialists and yep. be able to give the doctor a full report and say, this is my recommendations as a as a specialist in this case area. And it was a whole new area of service and revenue for the practice. And it was driven by the team. And it talk about empowering the technicians, teaching them, continuing to grow them and their education, um, but also bringing new services in. And so I think it's about looking at it from an open mind perspective. And so I agree with you. My last step is like, look at what you can and can't do as far as your locality, but then also dream about it on your own, but also with your team, ignoring the ceiling. Like, let's put aside the limiting beliefs. Let's make a list and then pick a couple. Don't try and eat the whole elephant. Make a make a giant list and be like, what are what is one or two or three things at the most uh, things that we could try that we could. Can we start charging for tech appointments? Can we you know, did we did we buy a laser, but we've never really focused on doing it? Can we get somebody trained? Can somebody on the tech team start offering laser services? Whatever that is, whatever it looks like in your practice, pick a couple of those things and then start to do them. And when you're doing them consistently and effectively and you're monitoring that revenue growth that's coming in, add a couple more. Yeah. Canine rehabilitation is one I've yeah. seen technicians just blow up. Yep. It was like, oh, we don't have time for that. You, and I, yep. I was working with a practice in uh, in New York and they they had a technician who got all fired up at CE and she had a, a practice manager who bought into her and said, yep. what, if you want to try to make this go, I'll give you a closet. And, you know, and you can work, I'm serious, yeah. you can work as closet. And now they're currently building a, a new facility. building for yep. her, you know, and it's because she blew it up. But it's like, it's, 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 yep. it's, it's true. The last thing I would say is, and then I'll be done, but um, if you want clients to trust your technicians, you have to endorse your technicians. Yes. You have to, you have to lean into building the technician brand. And people say, oh, the, the, the pet owners don't want to talk to the techs. They want to talk to the doctors. And I'll say, well, that's because you have not convinced them of the value of the technicians, yes. which is a problem that you can address. It takes intentionality. It's, it's, it's one foot in front of the other, but it's intentionally featuring your technicians, uh, facilitating their relationships, talking to the pet owners about the technicians, giving the technicians some, some weight uh, in the conversations when, and when we talk about their value and their expertise, setting expectations that the pet owner will talk to the technician. It's all of those things. It's, they're subtle things, but people want to know that they're talking to someone who is competent, someone who has the power to fix their problems and to help them. And if you convince them that the technician is competent and has the power to fix their problems, they will be happy to talk to the technician because it's a whole lot easier to get the technician on the phone. At least it should be. 
Why you gotta go open a whole soapbox? I know we gotta go. Right We're out of time. At the end of an episode, like that needs to be its own episode, Andy Rourke. <laughs> Because I have so many thoughts, but we're done for the day. We're gonna we're, co- we're gonna do that. You realize that now? You've opened the can of worms. We're gonna <sighs> have to do that as an episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, th- I'm gonna need another espresso before we do. <laughs> Take care, everybody. Have a fantastic week. See you, everybody. Well, gang, that's a wrap on another episode of the podcast. And as always, this was so fun to dive into the mailbag and answer this question. And I would really love to see more things like this come through the mailbag. If there is something that you would love to have us talk about on the podcast or a question that you are hoping that we might be able to help with, feel free to reach out and send us a message. You can always find the mailbag at the website. The address is unchartedvet.com forward slash mailbag, or you can email us at podcast at unchartedvet.com. Take care, everybody, and have a great week. We'll see you again next time.